From the Church Pension Group, this is Choose Well. Hi, my name is Krishna Dalakia, and this is Choose Well, the podcast that focuses on well-being, from maintaining physical and psychological health to being financially secure. Today we are talking about regaining balance after experiencing burnout, and how burnout shows up in our world today. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Mario Conliffe, shares his experience. Welcome, Mario. Thank you for being here. Hi, Krishna. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty well. You know, I'm happy, and yet I'm languishing. All depends on the circumstance of the day. Yeah, I think that a lot of people can relate to that, to what you just said. You know, during the pandemic, I think it's been a really interesting time. I imagine to be um, to be all that you are, you know, clergy, a therapist, and also like a regular human like all of us. I'm wondering mm-hmm. how your experience has been. Challenging, exciting, just a plethora of emotions. With my job, a lot of things ramped up, whereas a lot of people slowed down. I found myself having to be more creative and Uh, having to deal with a lot more challenges with clients. And so my job never stopped. Others didn't either. I'm not suggesting that. But certainly I was receiving a lot more on both ends. And have you observed in the work that you do like certain things that have been exasperated because of the pandemic? Yeah, a lot of things. Well, first of all, this was nothing we had ever been through before. It's not like anything we'd been through before. And so it was the uncertainty of what to happen. So a lot of anxiety, but a lot of depression because of the isolation and the disconnection socially. A lot of people found themselves grieving, right, at multiple levels. There's this complex, complicated grief that seemed to have emerged as we grieve collectively the loss of the world as we knew it. And within that loss, People found themselves losing loved ones, friends, and then losing their routine, losing their stability, losing their sense of groundedness. And as a result of that, a lot of uh, mental health issues emerged for some people. And uh, for others, they found it also very refreshing and energizing. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you say that because in season one of this podcast, uh, we had the Reverend Barbara Kempf on, and she talked about caution fatigue and um, highlighted some of the things that you just mentioned about, you know, the impact of isolation and how being so cautious can lead to a sense of fatigue and burnout, which is, um, in fact, what we're talking about today, regaining balance after burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that we hear this term burnout so often in our society. And I, w- I wonder what it, what it actually means and if there is a definition that you use in your practice. Great question, you know, and great observation. We have experienced a lot of burnout recently. But burnout to me is a physical and an existential problem, right? At its core, it's emotional, it's mental, it's physical exhaustion caused by prolonged and enduring stress. Now, clinically, it is a psychological syndrome emerging as a prolonged response to chronic interpersonal stresses. But when we boil it down, 
really is just exhaustion exponentially. Uh, it's exhaustion to the nth degree. And so burnout is often characterized by like cynicism and detachment from the job, helplessness, apathy, resentment, indifference. Um, it shows up in so many ways as like depression, sense of inadequacy, avoidance, uh, like you have nothing more to give. You have this sense of ineffectiveness. And so it's that physical and existential problem. Who am I? What's going on with me? I just don't have anything left to give. It is the rock bottom, I say, of consequence of our, of our busy lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And, you know, I from what I hear you saying, it sounds like, and from what I've experienced in my personal life and also like what I've, I've heard other people experience, when we, when we think of the term burnout, we usually isolate it to our work life, right? Like I'm working so much, I'm feeling burnt out. But is it true to say that we can feel burnt out with the state of our lives at any moment in, you know, in a certain point of our lives? Well, absolutely, because we're not disparate parts of self, right? We are holistic. And certainly one aspect of life impacts others. You see, burnout moves fatigue and the darkness from a place where it was in your control to a place where you can simply no longer control either. And so that can show up in multiple areas of life. Because if you are burnt out at work, it's going to show up at home as well. Um, Maybe you are a little more impatient, maybe not attentive to details, you're exhausted, and so you have uh, sleep challenges, etc., And so it can impact our self-worth because if I'm not functioning at work and I feel like I'm ineffective, I have nothing left to give, it decreases confidence and uh, questioning of self, which then can lead to suicidality. So it's not just also about exhaustion. It is about loneliness. It is about self-worth. It is about confidence. And that bleeds through to every aspect of our lives. There's a there's a saying that Brene Brown says that I really like. Um, she says that exhaustion is a is a status symbol for success, and we use that word. I'm so exhausted, which kind of implies that you know you're working really hard and uh, in a way that you're leading a successful life. And and what she says that it it's it's something that needs to change because it's not necessarily healthy. And yes. um, Yeah, and I think that we see it a lot, especially in ministry, right, where you are serving others. And so I think that um, kind of redefining how we want to look at our work lives and how it impacts other aspects of our lives is important. What has been your experience with that? We have come to define busy as success, and we wear it as a badge of honor, right? And we sometimes struggle with the hero complex of wanting to do it all, wanting to be seen as an effective minister. Um, We might all suffer from it in some form or fashion. We don't all succumb to it, but we all experience it. And so my experience is that sometimes we place these expectations on ourselves, and then society so uh, society has these expectations of ministers as well. And we, we think of 
being busy, like I said, as the attainable goal. The church that's very active is a church that's successful. And my experience is that's not necessarily true. We must have balance. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think balance is a very, <laughs> it can be a trigger <laughs> word for a lot of people. In the planning for wellness conferences that we do that where you're a health faculty, um, we have a section where we talk about living in balance. And it's a it's a session where we discuss topics uh, centered around work-life balance. And oftentimes, and like you've heard before, we've, we've talked about this, when our participants hear this title, living in balance, or the word trying to achieve balance in life, there's a lot that comes up around it. And mm-hmm. and what we, what we tend to see a lot is that people are dissatisfied with this term, trying to achieve balance, because for, for some people, and, and let's face it, for a lot of us, Achieving balance um, on a daily basis may not be something that's ideal or real realistic, right? It's working with lot with what life throws at you every day and trying to find a sense of groundedness instead of being taken away with the tidal wave of responsibilities and unexpected moments. Uh, balance can sometimes come across as a very privileged concept. Uh, people who have been disenfranchised and disadvantaged for most of their lives wonder, well, what is that? Is that ever attainable? But mm-hmm. perhaps we might need to redefine what we mean by balance. Because balance doesn't mean all things are aligned or equal. right? This understanding of balance certainly makes work-life balance an elusive and a rarely attainable ideal. Because sometimes one dimension of life requires more attention than the other, right? I've said on occasions that there are times I get my best sermons, at least I think so, at two o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, As opposed to Mm -hmm. at a particular time. And so I think that when we think of balance, we might want to think of it as the level of prioritization between personal and professional activities in a person's life. And it's different for everyone, right? Because we're not all the same. So what constitutes a balanced diet, for example, for one person may be completely different for another. Both Mm -hmm. diets may be very healthy in their own right, but it is the context of the individual that makes them so. So let's not think of balance as everything is in order and everything is aligned and all things are equal. It's what needs priority in life, and I'll be attending to that sufficiently. How do you know when you're out of balance? And is it connected to the experience of being burned out? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think so. I think so. And sometimes it's very hard to recognize. And so being able to hear what others are saying and others are observing, that's important to knowing when we're out of balance. But certainly, as it pertains to ministry, there are certain symptoms we can pay attention to. Pay attention to your prayer life. What is your prayer life like, right? Pay attention to the priority you're giving to family versus work and work versus family. Pay attention to your self-care. If there's little self-care, the likelihood is that you might not be living a very balanced life because eventually it's going to drain you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting what you say about self-care because it's just like what you said about balance. It may be a different definition for everyone. 
Um, you know, self-care, I think sometimes the trap that we fall into is that we think that there is this standard golden formula for all of us and that we all have to fit into one definition of what things should look like. And, uh, and so I think it's important when, when you mentioned what you just mentioned about self-care, like how much attention are you giving to your self-care? Uh, maybe the first question to ask yourself is, what does self-care mean to me? Absolutely. And am I feeling balanced with it? It's, you're absolutely right. When we talk about self-care, um, again, we want to put that in context, as you rightly mentioned, because that's going to look different for everyone. But I think that essentially self-care should be a part of one's balanced life because, uh, you know, it's embedded in the principle of uh, do unto others as you'd have others do unto you, but love your neighbor as yourself. And so even if you're out there engaging in work and serving others, et cetera, and you're not taking care of self, then the implication is that ultimately you're going to be of disservice or you're not going to be as effective. It is important to take care of yourself so that you can be available for others. Bishop Curry, you know, I was at a, a, a conference where he was speaking and he said something that really stood out to me. He said that the strength of the fruit is in the root. I'll say it again. Mm. The strength of the fruit is in the root. So mm -hmm. if you're not really taking care of yourself, you know, you're not like you just mentioned, it's going to be hard for you to take care of anyone else. Um, and going back to what you mentioned about um, balance and uh, how it's connected to being burnt out. So does it necessarily mean that when you're feeling out of balance, you've reached burnout? No. The way I would put it is everyone who's burnt out is out of balance, but not everyone who's out of balance is burnt out. And so mm -hmm. it can lead to burnout. And the way it's connected is uh, if you're finding yourself feeling uh, joyless and aimless, that blah feeling, that feeling of languish, um, it could be contextual and you might just be out of sync. But when it becomes uh, burnout, it's starting to get to the extreme, right? Uh, lack of motivation or demotivation, uh, feeling like a failure, robbed of passion, energy. Every day is a struggle and a bad day. Lots of frustration and exhaustion. Just fighting simply to get through every day. You see a, a constant decline in performance or a precipitous fall in the level of work. Your ethics are being compromised. You're, you're negative all the time. This decreased satisfaction, showing up late, calling out regularly, and then sometimes the use of drugs or alcohol, self-medication mm -hmm. to get through, withdrawing from responsibilities, and this general feeling of emptiness. And so when we see these sort of extreme behaviors showing up, that's more an indication that they're on the extreme end of the pendulum of the slide. And that's when it's an indication of burnout. I also, I, I find it really interesting that you, um, I think earlier also really listed um, apathy as a symptom. This, um, this sense where, you know, you're turning away from or you don't care, you're, you're feeling desensitized. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, you know, it's without feeling. When you uh, experience something so much, you become desensitized to it. And, and you start to feel indifferent or you don't care or you don't have a sense of concern, um, 
you find it hard to focus. And so it's sort of a, you know, from the Greek meaning without feeling, you have no care. You have no sense of attachment to it. And that's a strong indication anecdotally for me that there is burnout, that someone is fed up to the extreme of dealing with something or they feel like they have nothing left to offer or to give. I think that that's something that I have noticed as a lot in the people that I work with when they've reached burnout is the sense of a lack of care. It does show up, um, especially in in ministry when you have you know a lot of uh, value conflict and and you feel like you have no control or you're being undermined or restricted uh, some of these are triggers for that sort of apathetic approach to uh, to work to ministry and at the same time I think apathy is also a protective factor right or a protective mechanism where we we, we might engage in that behavior to protect ourselves from something that's uncomfortable or that brings pain to us. Yes, it's a self, uh, it's a defense mechanism um, at times uh, to protect ourselves from facing reality or actually dealing with the pain or the reality of our suffering. And, and so we have an I don't care attitude, you know, growing up, uh, when we might have been hurt by something a friend said, we'd say, well, I don't care. I don't care. Um, but we really do care. <laughs> so mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. It, it is an attempt to protect our vulnerability. It is an attempt to uh, savor our self-respect, to, to hold on to our credibility and to our sense of value. Because it can be an indication that we're also questioning a lot of who we are on the inside, but we don't want anyone else to see what's really going on on the inside. I look at the state of the world that we are in today and see that many of us are experiencing burnout in different ways. For example, pandemic burnout or caution fatigue, but also Mm -hmm. um, what I'm seeing is a sense of burnout Uh, related to the good work being done with social justice and working towards racial equality. Uh, What have you been observing with that? Yeah, I think this is a great example of how burnout impacts so many other aspects of life, and it's just not work, right? I think the pandemic exposed and exacerbated uh, a lot of challenges And what we saw were people expressing and really fighting as a result of burnout. What we have been seeing socially is people responding to the overwhelming exhaustion and fatigue of injustice. We can go back pre-pandemic to the Me Too movement and to LGBTQI, but one of the more pronounced social injustice uh, issues was racism. Mm-hmm. And we saw people standing up saying that they are tired of being on the wrong side of justice. So someone once said that fatigue happens to the body, but burnout exhausts your soul. And mm. history tells us that African-Americans have long faced the perennial struggle of racism and oppression. And what we saw was this movement as a result of burnout being overwhelmingly exhausted by the oppression And they were rising up and saying, no more, right? Their past 
was littered with challenges and they were spent and were decrying and protesting the fact that their melanin and heritage are synonymous with criminality, violence, drugs, incarceration, or something to be feared or mistreated. And so when we heard a lot of the protests, what I saw was burnout and people who were declaring that we refuse to be silent one second longer. We refuse to be killed and like led like lambs, silent to the slaughter. And so as opposed to feeling burnt out, their protests, in my experience, was a testimony that they want some things burnt out of the system. They want mm. some issues burnt out for good. Things such as the exponential differences in economics and educational opportunities and health opportunities, which the pandemic exposed. And so they wanted to burn out and dismantle structures and instead build relationship across the things that divide us. So beautifully said. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that like what I've observed is that there is a collective sense of burnout, but what you just mentioned that that different groups may be feeling burnt out in different ways related to topics on race and social justice. Right. It's I'm spent, I'm done. And that's perhaps the silver lining behind being burnt out. It's not a lifetime sentence. It's not good that it happens, but we can make meaning and make good of it. And so for a lot of people, that burnout led to a reaction, uh, a more positive force for change, right? And forced society as a whole to really begin to think and to uh, reassess everything about our lives and our work and how we relate as a people. And so I think burnout in that sense can give us a chance to rediscover ourselves and to make changes that might otherwise be ignored. And so, yes, to your point, people experience burnout in many aspects of life. Yeah, and I also think that it's okay to be uncomfortable, right? Because I think through discomfort, um, change arises. And uh, we are going through a collective push right now, I feel, uh, to, to relook at our values and the way we, we see different groups in our society. And I don't think it's a, it's a negative thing. I think it's a very positive thing. What I've observed is a willingness on people's part to begin conversation, to begin mm -hmm. understanding. And so particularly in my diocese, We've had conversations through our clerical meetings during the pandemic in which I've heard people asking, what is it that I've been missing that I need to know? People willing to be vulnerable, and I hope this is not construed negatively, but willing to put ignorance on the table so that it no longer stays in that place. That mm -hmm. uh, we shine a light, uh, they've been shining a light on that so that people could have greater understanding. And with greater understanding, uh, we can move forward. Experiencing burnout is not necessarily a new thing um, for people working in ministry or specifically the clergy. There have been many studies that have been done, specifically the ones that come to my mind is uh, the Flourishing in Ministry study um, and the Clergy Health Initiative study. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not a new phenomenon, right? Burnout in ministry has been happening for years. And the flourishing in ministry, which focused a lot on well-being among clergy, and the Clergy Health Initiative and other studies of the same um, content, really highlighted this issue among clergy as they found clergy struggling. And the Clergy Health Initiative, which was focused on United Methodist clergy, found similar levels of burnout, especially those in full-time ministry, to other helping professionals. What they did find, surprisingly, was that those ministries that were meaningful served as a protective factor. But yes, we have been experiencing a lot of burnout. A 2013 study comes to mind, too, from the Schaefer Institute. It reported that 1,700 pastors and priests leave the ministry each month, citing depression, burnout, or being overworked as the primary reason. And I think one of the issues why burnout occurs uh, so much and goes overlooked often goes overlooked, is because, one, uh, we prize busyness, as Brene Brown highlighted, but also, two, we're fighting the stigma of mental wellness and illness. We certainly advocate for physical wellness, but there's still a stigma when it comes to mental toughness. I don't have the mental fortitude to deal with ministry and being seen as weak, and I think we have a lot of work to do with regard to helping people to understand the importance of mental health and well-being in ministry. And it seems like there are a lot of programs actually now out there for people working in ministry, specifically clergy. Um, Like I know through the Flourishing in Ministry program, they created additional supportive programs like the Circle of Trust and through the Clergy Health Initiative, the wellness program is called Spirited Life. And, you know, through CPG, we have Credo and you are a Credo faculty member. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and, you know, what that entails and what your experience has been. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I'm so grateful for with regard to the Episcopal Church, having been on the receiving end and then being afforded the opportunity to contribute. I think we have been proactive in many regard with helping with the well-being of clergy. I think planning for wellness as well as credo. And so Mm -hmm. let me talk about the planning for wellness, which um, I've been privileged to attend and serve as well. That is a very short a two-day program that can be very beneficial, that feeds you a lot of information and gives you some respite and understanding so that you don't suffer financial burnout, you don't suffer psychological burnout, and otherwise, and other aspects of it, health, etc. Credo is a week-long program that allows clergy to come together to unwind and to be vulnerable and to really pay attention to what's going on in their ministry and in their life. And it attends to many facets of well-being. I think it is a wonderful program that provides insight and guidance. And while it's not a cure-all, it's certainly a solid step in the right direction to either avoiding burnout or helping a person to move through and out of burnout. Yeah, and I think that there have been so many studies done on well-being and some of the factors that are most important to consider when feeling 
in balance and feeling well. And one of them is social support. And I think that these programs, especially Credo, um, really help provide the sense of social support where you're meeting with people that are in a similar vocation as you or the same vocation and um, going through certain sessions that talk very specifically about things like burnout, things like mental wellness, physical health, financial wellness, um, and just coming together to to share some of the strengths in your life and also some of the challenges within a population that has a similar vocation can be so beneficial. Exactly. It is what Yalom called as one of the 11 principles of group therapy, universality, that there is connection because I'm not the only one in the world experiencing this. And so having others who have similar experiences, who are there going through it with me, you don't feel all along. And somehow that in itself is strengthening and curative. So it sounds like social support and fellowship is uh, is maybe one one way to find balance back in the li- in your life, and also to maybe overcome burnout. Are there any other um, suggestions or tools that you would give when when you're considering to anyone considering, you know, their current state and whether they're finding themselves in in balance or out of balance, and to those that are experiencing burnout? Absolutely. The first step, I think, in combating burnout is to name it and then to understand the factors that contribute to it. The people, the processes, the personality traits that can push you over the edge. Without addressing each of these factors, you'll always run the risk and be at risk of burning out. So we want to pay close attention to our stresses. But we have to first identify and be able to name it that this is what we are experiencing. Emotions and experiences love validation. They need, they need to be named. I often use the example of when a child is really irritated and angry and crying, and you simply say to the child, Daddy understands you're angry right now with me. You see a physiological relief in them. And so we want to know that we are seen, that uh, we are heard, and our emotions are a part of us, and they're the same way. So we have to name it and validate it, and then really attend to the underlying causes. And so once we do that, we then want to begin to put into practice healthy practices, like setting healthy boundaries, learning to say no, not feeling like you have to be available 24-7, right? Not wearing busyness as a badge of honor or validation of success. We want to prioritize self and engage in proper self-care habits. We want to ask for help, check in with self, check in with your spiritual director, get into therapy to work through some issues, right? The messages that we received about work and finances and life and see if any of them need to be re-narrated. And we want to address those cognitive distortions that we may have picked up over time, the meta messages that need some correcting. We also want to be aware of our time and the understanding of need to be a good steward of time. But more simply, sometimes we just need to change our environment. Let go and just be. Rest, recharge create a wind-down schedule, ritual of any kind, um, 
rest is important because when we don't get enough rest, right, it can lead to delirium. It can lead to outbursts. It can really stretch us. So those are some tips I might offer. And of course, you know, with the church pension, we have the, uh, with CPG, the EAP program and the Cigna Health Initiatives, all of those things can be very, very beneficial. We have a plethora of resources there that you can turn to to help you with burnout. Thank you so much, Mario. I think that from, from, from the list that you just provided, one thing that really resonates with me personally is developing a better relationship with rest and sleep. And I think that we, we can be very disconnected with that and the, the busyness of everyday life. So maybe, you know, a simple suggestion is carving out maybe 30 minutes for yourself every day just for you to find maybe joy or rest in a way that really speaks to you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your suggestions. You're absolutely welcome. It was my pleasure. And I hope that it does resonate with people just to keep in mind that, you know, burnout can happen to all of us. None of us are impervious or immune to it. And yet it's not a life sentence. It's a sign that something needs to change in our lives. And I often say we welcome these experiences as our friends because they're there to help us and to direct us into better living. And so by understanding what causes burnout, by addressing it and how it manifests itself in our daily lives, we can learn to prevent it, to counteract it, to recover from it, and we can commit to a happier and healthier life. When facing a wellness challenge, identifying what may be the cause can be difficult. The first step is to talk to a healthcare provider. As you discuss what you're feeling and how it's affecting your life, you may want to consider if burnout is playing a role. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Theme music for our podcast is by Fran McKendry. Be sure to visit the e-learning library and learning center on cpg.org for wellness resources. And please join us again for Choose Well. The views and opinions expressed by guests of Choose Well are their own and do not represent the views and opinions of the Church Pension Fund or its affiliates, collectively the Church Pension Group. Neither the Church Pension Fund nor any of its affiliates, collectively CPG, is responsible for the content, performance, or security of any website referenced herein that is outside the www.cpg.org domain or that is not otherwise associated with a CPG entity. You've been listening to Choose Well from the Church Pension Group.